Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Today, I was able to sit a little bit in scripture and just read and pray, and the Lord took me to Jeremiah chapter 29, um, mostly because in, in chapter 29, there's that verse that we hear quoted a lot that says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, or I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, um, to give you hope, to give you a future, to uh, not to harm you. Um, and so I went to Jeremiah 29 and wanted to read it in full context. And I'm not sure why it's never really hit me before. Um, when I was, but, but when I was reading this, one of the things that really stuck out to me is that this was Jeremiah's letter to the Israelites while they were in captivity. So they had been taken um, into Babylonian captivity under the, um, the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and so when you read the fullness of what God is saying um, and the promises that he is making to the children of Israel in this passage, knowing that they are currently reaping the consequence of their disobedience, yet there are all these promises that God makes to them in the midst of their captivity. And so I'm going to read a little bit with you and kind of show you how you can use some of these things to declare truths in your life. But I want you to think about spaces or places in your heart or in your mind that maybe you're in captivity. Now, before you think I'm not in any kind of captivity, I'm not stuck in addiction, I'm not stuck in a toxic relationship or whatever, I want you to think about spaces and places where you're not walking in the fullness of who you could be, who you should be. Maybe you struggle with depression. Maybe you struggle with anger. Um, and so when we're taking a look at Jeremiah 29, uh, we need to really ask the Holy Spirit to open up our heart and our mind to have an understanding of how does this apply to us today. And so that's why this is so powerful, because in this are things that God is speaking to us, even though we're in the midst of captivity. Um, and and mind you, again, I want you to know that they were taken in captivity because of their rebelliousness. Um, yet there is promises that God is speaking to them, even though they are in the midst of rebelliousness. Um so this speaks to a God of covenant, a God of grace, and a God of love. And religion would tell us that, um, that our sin or our disobedience would negate um, the blessings of the Lord. And while we might end up going into captivity, the covenant of God and the grace of God and the promise of God still stands true. And that's what this whole chapter is talking about. Um, and he's, he's encouraging them of how he wants them to behave and who he wants them to be while they are in captivity. And it's so important because I think a lot of times we wait to prosper until we're on the other side of our captivity or until we've been set free from our depression or until we've overcome our, he, our disability, whatever it is. Um, but God is saying, while you are in the midst of captivity, here are the promises that I'm making to you. So let me read some of these things to you. It says, um, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylonian or Babylon. So I think this is so important because God allowed this season for them. And we have to believe that God is good in every scenario and in every situation. 
And a lot of us would blame our captivity on the enemy or on um, maybe a person in your life. But nothing can pass through our life except by the hand of God. So he goes on and he says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. So he's encouraging them to prosper in their land of captivity, which again, seems unbelievable. But with God, all things are possible. He's saying, even though you're taken captive and you're under the reign of a wicked king, I want you to plant and I want you to build and I want you to reap and I want you to eat a fruit you didn't plant. So he's still doing good things. He talks about taking wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to your husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may increase there, so that you may be increased there and that you will not diminish. This is unbelievable to me because, again, they're in the middle of captivity and you hear this encouragement from the Lord that no matter your scenario, no matter where you're at mentally, no matter where you're emotionally, no matter where you're at financially, no matter where you're at physically, that God is constantly encouraging us to prosper, to increase, to grow, to thrive in the now season, in the now moment. goes on, it says, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. So again, he's talking about a lot of times if we're taking a word, let's say you work for a, a boss that you don't like or you... Um, you feel like it's a wicked environment. And that might be true. But he's saying, I want you to pray for peace while you're there. I want you to pray for the authority structure. I want you to pray because of the same degree that it prospers, so you will prosper. But isn't it true that when we're in a bad situation, we do a lot of a lot of bad mouthing, a lot of griping, a lot of complaining, instead of saying like, even in this place, God is working and God wants to grow me and God wants to increase me and God wants me to thrive and God wants me to grow and God wants me to have life. And so it goes on and it says, um, uh, I'm going to jump down to, I'm just going to jump two verses. It says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, and I will cause you to return to this place. So here's an I will. I love when God says, I shall, I will, because there's no variant in that. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what you can count on. For I will visit you, and I will return you into the land of Jerusalem. I will, I will relinquish you from captivity, and I will bring you back into the land of the free. Then it says, the verse that we all hear quoted so much. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, imagine how difficult this truth was to embrace, given that they had just been taken captive to the Babylonian empire. Yet God is saying, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I'm still thinking about you. I still have plans for you. My eye is still upon you. And I think this is such a beautiful encouragement to us because, again, we have to remember that a lot of times we speak this as a word of encouragement to somebody who's not necessarily in captivity. They were taken in captivity. And our inclination would be to reject this word, to reject this truth. And he says, while you are reaping in the midst of your consequence, in the midst of your disobedience, in the midst of your captivity, I have thoughts for you. 
I have plans for you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will, there's that word again, I will listen to you. Now, this is a promise. Anytime we see this, I will, a declaration would look like this. Lord, you'd say that if I call upon you and I pray to you, that you will listen to me. So I declare even right now that as I'm calling upon your name, God, that you are inclining your ear to my lips. Come on, we can declare that because that's what the word says. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Here's your declaration. God, as I search you with my whole heart, I cling to the promise that says you will be found, that I will find you because I am seeking you with my whole heart. I hold you to that promise, Lord. goes on, it says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Come on, somebody needs to hear this truth. Somebody feels like your captivity is so overwhelming to you, you can't possibly dig out of this pit. But God's desire all the way back in the Old Testament, every single time his people were in captivity, he made a promise that he would bring them back from captivity. And I speak that promise over you right now in the name of Jesus. He said, I will be found from you by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all nations, from places where I have driven you, says the Lord, bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. I will do it. Come on. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, uh, concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you in your captivity. Behold, I will send on them. So he goes on and he speaks all of these things that he is going to do. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all of you in captivity, whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylonian. Behold, I will deliver you into the hand, and I have delivered you into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. So he's talking about all of these things, all of these challenges, all of these things that they're going to go through. But all of this is sandwiched between the, but I will bring you back. I have a plan for you. I have a thought for you. I am thinking of you. If you go on, I, I didn't encourage you to read Jeremiah 29, 30, 31. Talking about in 30, it says, um, For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck. Talking about the things that hold you captive, the yoke. I will burst your bonds and foreigners shall no more enslave you. Just so many promises in here. And again, you've got to recognize in context that this is on the heels, on the heels of them being taken into Babylonian captivity. So I found this super encouraging because I think we often speak Jeremiah 29, 11, and we don't realize in context that he's actually speaking to his children who were in the midst of not just captivity, but captivity really by choice because they chose to disobey. You go on in um, Jeremiah 30, 31. I love that it talks about how he says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt. And it goes on, he says, oh, virgin Israel, which is amazing to me because they have committed so much adultery with other nations, given over to pagan idolatry, um, have 
betrayed God and, and have been uh, dishonest and disloyal to him, yet he calls them pure. Yet when he looks at them, he speaks the reputation of the kingdom over them. He doesn't say, you betrayed me, uh, you have been unloyal to me. He calls them, O virgin Israel, and he says, you shall again be adorned with tambourines. You shall again go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall again plant vines in the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and they will eat them as they will eat as though it is ordinary food. And it goes on, it says, arise, let us go up to Zion to that Lord our God. Sing with gladness for, for Jacob and shout among the chief of nations. It goes on, it says, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and has ransomed, ransomed them from the hand of the one who was stronger than he. Come on, we're talking about that captivity, that thing that you feel like there's a hand that is upon me that is stronger than I am. And he's saying, I am a God who will redeem you and I will ransom you from the, the hand of the one that is stronger than you are. It goes on and it says, therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil, which when we talk about wheat, new wine, oil, it's talking about prosperity, the idea of growth, goodness, that thriving their souls shall be like a well-watered garden. Come on, somebody needs to receive that right now. God, I need my soul to be refreshed. I need my soul to be a well-watered garden. God, only you can water the garden of my soul. Come on, some of us are looking for other things, other people. Some of us are looking to our circumstances to water our soul. But God is saying that he is the one who will water our soul, it will be like a well-watered garden. I will satiate uh, the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. So these are all promises that God has given to them. One of them says, I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way in which they shall never stumble. And the guidance that the Holy Spirit gives us that causes us to walk by the rivers of his word, the rivers of the Holy Spirit, and by his guidance and the illumination of his love that we shall never stumble is what it's talking about. Oh God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you, Father, for the promises in your word. We thank you, Father, that we can cling to the truth that says you have a thought towards us that even when we're not thinking about you, God, you are thinking about us. Come on, somebody declare in the comments, God is thinking about me. Come on, with confidence, would you declare, God, I know you are thinking about me. God, I know you're thinking about me. God, I know your eye is upon me. God, I know you will not cause me to stumble. I receive the, the, the quenching, the, the well watered of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, you're refreshing our souls. We declare the promises that you have a plan for us, and it's a plan to prosper us, not to harm us, to cause us to move forward. Come on, some of these passages say, I have put in their hearts the law of the Lord. God, yes, you have loved us with an everlasting love. God, you have had a loving kindness towards us, and we have been drawn by your loving kindness. Come on, somebody put it in the comments. I am drawn in to the loving kindness of the Lord. Come on, this is how we allow the word to just begin to navigate our prayers and our conversation and our interactions with the spirit. There is hope in your future, says the Lord. Come on, there is hope in your future. There is hope in my future. 
There is hope that your children will come back to their own border. Come on. Some of you have been praying and you have been interceding for your kids. And God is saying there is hope in your future and that your children will come back into the borders of the kingdom. God, I, I declare that for each one of us, that our children will come within the borders of the kingdom, that they will stay within the borders of the kingdom. We thank you, Father, for your promises and that your promises are true. God, you say you will watch over us to build and to plant, that you watch over every seed that comes forth from our life. God, that you cause us to prosper, that you cause us to increase. Come on. Listen, it says, my covenant, which they broke, even though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful when we are faithless. God, that you hold to your covenant even when we break covenant. Come on, you can't shake free of the covenant. In the Old Testament, when God put Abram to sleep and that smoking pot went through, he basically said, you don't need to be awake for this covenant because the only thing this covenant requires is my faithfulness to you, Abram. You don't need to be faithful to me for this covenant to be true. It's all about my love for you, my faithfulness to you. And it says here, even when you broke covenant, I remained a husband to you. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their people I will be their God and they shall be my people. Come on, I will forgive them for their iniquity. I will forgive them for their sin and I will remember their sins no more. Come on, I'm just reading to you right from scripture. The enemy has been lying to you and told you that your sin was too big, that your iniquity was too dirty, that what you did was too ugly. And God says, I will forgive it and I will not remember it any longer. So when the enemy brings it up, you tell the enemy to shut his mouth in Jesus name because you will not remember what God is not talking about. All that God is talking about is that you are his virgin child and that he loves you and that he is your husband and that his covenant towards you is true. That is what God is saying to you today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Come on. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that we find in Jeremiah and that you activate, God, an energy inside us that is not of this world, that you Activate, Father, a holy conversation that is filled with truths and not with lies. We thank you, Father, that you activate a hope in us that is not from this world. And so we thank you, Father, that we do have a plan. Come on, somebody say, I have a, I have a plan because God is in it. I have a plan because God is in it. I have a plan, God, because you are in it. Because you are in my life, there is a plan for me in Jesus' name. Uh, let me tell you this really quickly. Crazy Eight is currently housing between 64 and 66 residents. And really the crux of the message that we just read from Jeremiah about believing no matter how deep, no matter how far we have gone into captivity, that God still has a plan for each one of those residents. And that is the crux of our program. And so we're so excited to be able to help people and come alongside them with the truth. Uh, when the world has told them they are hopeless, we declare that God says there is a hope for them. And so we're offering them helps at Crazy Eight Ministries to help them move into that path and that plan that God has for them. It is not God's desire for anybody, no matter what choices you have made.
made. It is not his desire. It is not his design. And it is not his plan that we would, um, that we would not be prospering, that we would not be growing. So uh, this ends this stream. All right, Father, we praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www dot lisa dash schwartz dot com. Thanks for listening.